Dr. Lisa Libertor is not only a supportive mom and talented doctor, she's one of the strongest advocates for autism spectrum disorder and has really taken the necessary steps to improve the quality of life for her son on the autism spectrum. I didn't have anybody with a disability um, in my family yeah. um, growing up. So when, um, and my other son Alexander uh, was one year older than Michael and he was very slow to talk. He didn't start mm -hmm. talking until he was two. So, you know, they say, oh, boys talk late. And yeah. of course, it came out full sentences. So when Michael wasn't speaking at two years of age, I really wasn't worried. Um, I, I said, okay. You know, and the doctor said, after January, if he's not speaking, we'll have him, we'll have him referred for early intervention. <laughs> and early intervention basically happened in February. And it was just a series of of um, therapists, um, psychologists, observation. There's no blood work or, yeah. or x-rays or anything like that. And at the end of the day, they said, you know, I know what he's got, I know what he's got. And I said, what does he have? And he said, PDD. And I said, what's PDD? Pervasive Developmental Disorder. And I said, what is that? <laughs> I, um, you know, here I am, like, went to the best school and I never heard of PDD either. And um, I said, well, that's on the spectrum of autism. And I'm like, what? And um, I just remember feeling like not hearing anything, just feeling very like sick, sick. Yeah. And then I said, I took Michael, picked him up, went downstairs. My mother-in-law was waiting in the car downstairs with Alexander, my other son. And of course you're trying to have like a happy face or like everything's okay. And I took him home and I it just started to, you know, talk to my husband. And I, I just couldn't believe that. I was yeah. like, what are you I mean, what do we know about it it's really an unusual diagnosis in the 80s like one in 10,000 and then for some reason in the 1990s all of a sudden the incidence was creeping up I was told if he doesn't speak by nine years old he'll never speak yeah. you know um, he didn't know how to add one plus one in up until 14 years of age and then um, I took him to a different uh, school Kumon which is like an yeah. after school program and I said, you know, is there any, he seems to like these Kumon books. Is there any way you could give a work with somebody on the spectrum? And the man was amazing with him. And he came twice a week and he did the little booklets. And in one, in one month, he was adding in his head. Aww. And in a few months, he was doing multiplication. So like everything in Michael's life has shown me that, you know, if he's not able to do something, it's not because of intelligence, it's because the way the material is being presented yeah. to him. You know, retrospectively now, when I look back and I think back, yes, you could have made the diagnosis. I could have seen signs of it when he was six months oh. um, because he was very irritable. He didn't startle like other kids. He didn't have great eye contact. Yeah. He was very fussy about textures, about food. He was very, um, he wouldn't turn to his name, but yet he could hear Barney in the next room. <laughs> you know, all the things we know about autism now, yeah. you could apply it with them, but there just wasn't the awareness. Yeah. It. How has Michael's diagnosis affected Alexander? Because, I mean, obviously it's affected me. I think um, yeah. I'm, I can be very shy at times soft-spoken because there's a lot of yelling in my house. It affected Alexander tremendously um, and it became more uh, 
it became more evident as he got older mm-hmm. um, how the impact was because I think he was he had this pressure to always be the good kid because he could see how difficult and I remember one time uh, he was about nine years old and I was really I was having a really really hard day Michael was throwing himself in the, in the store on the floor and just out of control and of course nobody asks if they could help you they kind of look at you like you're yeah. some kind of bad mom who doesn't know how to take care of her kid I was just crying I was just like so exhausted and I said I'm such a bad mom I'm just such a bad mom and he said mom anybody can take care of a normal kid you know you have <laughs> he was like nine you know <laughs> so like the responsibility of sort of like yeah. be there for for me to, to not be a problem and um, to kind of just keep his struggles to himself I think and, and of course to wonder what was the reason if nobody could say what the reason is I mean he wouldn't drink from Michael's glass he was afraid of oh, really? catching autism yeah it's like well you don't know what the reason is maybe it's a maybe it's something you can catch mm-hmm. you know he didn't want to drink from his cup he didn't want to he in the beginning when he was very when he was much younger he would say why doesn't why doesn't Michael like me that's sad. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's definitely, you know, it's. I mean, I think everybody deals with some kind of, you know, life is not easy, yeah. and there's adversity in everybody's life, and so I don't, you know, I don't think, I think Alexander, you know, is very fortunate in so many ways. I mean, you know, to have parents that are still married, you know, with a ninety percent divorce rate in autism, yeah, um, is because. My husband and I went through college together. We went to medical school together. We went through residency. Mm-hmm. We have like a very strong friendship, yeah. and that friendship allowed us to get through that situation, which was very challenging. We had to really try to put ourselves in Michael's shoes and understand and try to be empathetic. And um, of course, that's not easy it's, for six. Yeah. You know, Michael's 24, and the conversations we have with Alexander now are really about the fact that we're really trying to create a life for Michael with friends. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, we want Michael Alexander part of his life, but we don't want Alexander to feel like Michael's his primary responsibility yeah. um, to care for. And so that, you know, if he gets a great job, which he got right now, he's in um, Boston, he's gonna move to Chicago where his mm-hmm. girlfriend is. And, and, you know, he said, you know, you're around now. And I'll be there, you know, for, for Michael when you're no longer around. But right now you're around. With the help of her husband, Dr. Dimitri Casares, Dr. Lipitor founded Love Michael, a nonprofit organization dedicated to training, educating, and employing autistic adults and improving the lives of the autistic community. Love Michael became more about people coming together as friends, and that's why, as important learning is and, and working, we do like a social event once a month at the space uh-huh. and the guys plan it for the for the month what the theme is uh-huh. and we invite other friends who are not necessarily working but uh-huh. you know kind of still yeah. connected and i think i think that's really important Friends. what are you most optimistic about for the future of autism research acceptance and inclusion for children's and young adults on the spectrum you know through the program that we've um started i'm I'm like really, I'm really, really proud of that because I feel that if people were a little less rushed 
and quick to make a judgment and would just spend a little bit of time, they would see that the guys, um, you know, the girls and guys on the spectrum are actually really special in there. There's like a special quality and everybody, I just can't put my finger on it because it's different for everybody, but there's something really that, that you feel really good and connected. You just have to, you just have to not be in a rush and you have to check your own stress at the door. Yeah. energy you bring to the space you're responsible for that mm -hmm. and um and so i think that there's going to be tremendous learning that maybe the guys on the spectrum even have you know a sense a sense a sense of that are beyond the five senses you know right um and i think more and more we're going to tap into extreme intelligence or abilities that you know, even the parents don't know, and and I, and I have many examples of that, even for Love Michael, of, of a 30-year-old young man that came to us, and um, we asked him about all the different parts of Love Michael, and he didn't want to cook. He he wanted to try computers, and we're like, okay. And the mom's like, well, he doesn't really use computers. Okay. Well, we have this volunteer program, and some kids sign up for the program, and then they just you know they you know, either get distracted or something happens. So Anthony, you're gonna sit, you're gonna look at the emails that have been unopened, you're gonna open them, and then you're gonna create a, a message, which is like, hey, Gabrielle, I see you, we're interested in this, is there something I can do to help you? And then sign Anthony. Anthony did like 2,000 emails in like two weeks time. Oh my gosh. And I almost fell off the floor. I, and I called the mom and I said, did you know that Anthony did this 2,000 emails. She said, Lisa, I had no idea he could use a computer. Aww. 30 years old. We're starting a new intervention now for the guys on the spectrum here in Southampton, which is using vision therapy, EEG feedback, and breathing therapy, all to help the autonomic nervous system. For adults um, or like more children or for everyone? They're all adults, they're all adults, but you know, you, it can be done in children too, but our guys are all in their 20s uh -huh. and anxiety is a big issue, anxiety. And it's anxiety maybe about something that you, you would say, what are they getting anxious about? But they feel anxiety. And so that keeps them in a constant state of sympathetic overdrive where they're feeling like they're running, you know, they're anxious. And by doing these non-invasive non therapies, which are using vision therapy, EEG feedback, mm -hmm. they're basically playing a game for 15, 20 minutes, a couple of times a week. We can see that the nervous system is shifted more into the center, not that sympathetic overdrive. Where my focus is, is trying to find non-pharmacological ways yeah. to help them manage that like heightened sense of yeah. anxiety and stress. Her actions and full-time efforts have been so impactful on thousands of individuals with ASD and will continue to be as Love Michael grows and flourishes.